please join us for this year's 20th anniversary of the Mid-South Mississippi Race for the Cure to be held in downtown Jackson, Mississippi on Saturday, April 13th. You can register online at www.comenmemphismms.org. That's K-O-M-E-N-M-E-M-P-H-I-S-M-S dot org. On the menu bar, click Events and select Komen Metro Jackson Race for the Cure or call Katherine Young at 601-932-3999. That's Katherine Young at 601-932-3999. Please register today and help us save lives. Thank you. Welcome to the Susan G. Coleman Memphis Mid-South Mississippi Pink Podcast Program. My name is Katherine Young, Senior Vice President, and my lovely co-host, Miss Molly May. Hey, Miss Catherine. Hey. Uh, well, today we have a very interesting topic. Um, we're going to talk about clinical trials. Joining us is Dr. Shu Ching Tang. And I might have messed up his name, but Dr. <laughs> Tang recently joined the University of Mississippi Medical Center, Cancer Institute, and its Division of Hematology and Oncology as a professor of medicine and pharmacology toxicology and is the Cancer Institute's associate. Associate Director for Clinical Trials and Translational Research. So what you're telling me is that I'm speaking. We're, we're going to be talking to the smartest person I've ever spoken to in my life, is what you're saying. Absolutely. Gotcha. Absolutely. So, Dr. Tang. I'll try to measure up to your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, so, Dr. Tang, um, there, are, there have been many misconceptions about participating in clinical trials. So today, uh, we wanted to just talk a little bit about um, clinical trials and, and how important they are um, to our listeners and to people that are facing um, cancer. So tell our listeners a little bit about clinical trials and who are the appropriate candidates that should participate in these trials? Thank you. Uh, well, uh, clinical trial has been very critical in the drug discovery and uh, advancement of knowledge in treating cancer. And uh, clinical trial, you know, is uh, traditionally done to test a new drug against the old drug. And, uh, but uh, normally it has three phases uh, after the, of course, the animal study and uh, in vitro or outside body study. And, uh, you know, phase one is a trial that is done to look at whether the drug is safe and what is the dose. And uh, normally it's a small study involving just a couple of dozen patients. And the phase two study is done basically to test if the drug is active uh, and uh, in any particular tumor site. Then that leads to a phase three trial that is done to compare the new drug with you know, some activity in certain tumor against the standard of care. So those are the normally three phases uh, clinical trials. 
And phase one and two are normally not placebo controlled, meaning that most people will get a real drug, except sometimes in randomized phase two, it may involve a placebo. But phase three generally involve uh, either placebo compared to the new drug or a new drug versus the old drug. So those are uh, a nutshell of all clinical trials uh, in cancer. Uh, of course, uh, uh, in terms of uh, which patients are potential candidate, I always say every patient who fit the study inclusion criteria is a potential candidate. Because normally it involves a patient with a good performance status. Those are people who are you know, up, up, uh, active uh, in their daily life and with uh, adequate uh, organ function. But sometimes the study was done to look at some particular weaker population to look at some milder drug. So, so uh, having a so-called poor, poor performance status does not exclude patient from participating in clinical trials because some trials are done to look at the symptom control to see if a particular drug is less toxic. So, so for that type of trial, patients that are you know, not very active in their daily life may be able to participate. You know, I don't think I've ever, I'm not a highly educated person when it comes to clinical trials as a, as a whole, and especially within cancer. Um, and I don't, I guess I never really thought about that anyone would be, anyone who fits the criteria um, could be a part of that clinical trial. But what I never really considered is that not everyone in the clinical trial will receive the treatment, that of course there would be placebo control. Um, so I guess that that's just something I learned today. Yes, uh, uh, one misconception some patient may have is uh, by participating in clinical trial, there'll be a guinea pig. And that is uh, a totally uh, misconception because uh, uh, like I said, uh, most trial involve a, a standard therapy versus a new therapy. So most patients will get something. You know, what they do, uh, uh, in, in addition is that they'll get a standard drug plus a new drug. You know, that's the most common design we have. So, so, so they are not a guinea pig. Even when they are uh, in, uh, enrolled in the arm, they get a placebo, but normally a placebo arm is uh, either, you know, a placebo by itself or placebo, placebo plus an active drug. So it's considered a standard of care. So, so basically, they are, they are going to get a standard of care plus something that's new that may or may not uh, be beneficial. But uh, you know, even if, if, even if it's, it may not be beneficial, it will not do any harm. Because uh, once we, when we reach phase three trial, you know, the safety of the drug has already been determined in phase one and phase two. So, Dr. Tang, for women who are listening uh, that could have metastatic um, breast cancer or are in late stage diagnosis, what would you say about you know partic participating in um, a clinical trials for them? Because we know that, of course. Uh, women with metastatic breast cancer um, and are diagnosed at a later stage, and of course, treatment options uh, could be limited at that particular point. So, what are their options? 
Well, I would say, you know, uh, of course, they have the option to receive standard therapy. And uh, we're fortunate now in treating breast cancer in that we have so many options, so many active drugs. And if you failed one drug, you can go on to receive the next one and so on and so forth. And our goal for treating this type of, type of patients are palliation, quality of life, and sim symptom control. Even though we cannot cure them, but we have so many options now compared to only five, 10 years ago, so we can control the disease and uh, convert the incurable cancer to a chronic disease so people can live with the disease live with cancer, with quality of life, with dignity. So so that's our motto. So so it's look at how far we have gone from treating AIDS, you know, and when it was first diagnosed, it was a short, literally death sentence. Yes. Now people, people are living with AIDS for decades, you know, and uh, with a living a normal life, you know. So we are doing the same thing now for metastatic breast cancer. Of course, the only way we get here is through clinical trial. That's we have uh, been able to successfully develop so many drugs. So for, for women with metastatic breast cancer, I would say, you know, um, think it as a chronic disease. And, uh, you know, um, in addition to standard therapy, please consider, you know, novel therapy, including clinical trials. Through participating in clinical trial, you not only get a standard of care, but you may get something better, you know, uh, something that uh, that will be more effective, less toxic, or more convenient. So, so the patient will benefit from participating in clinical trial themselves. In addition, of course, they help others to gain knowledge about the new drug and to, to live, develop a new drug, not only for themselves, but for generations to come. And in addition, there were there are studies done before that shows even if you participate in clinical trial and you receive a new drug that is not better than the you know traditional standard of care, patients who do participate in clinical trial do better overall because by participating in clinical trial, you get basically babied by our clinical trial staff. You know your every test, every treatment is you know, to the book, you know, and uh, uh, precise and uh, timely, and uh, you bet you get better care because uh, you just, we have more resources devoted for patient on clinical trial with a closer observation and uh, more attention, you know. So so, so that that is a nutshell of uh, basically the benefit of participating in clinical trial. And that is, you know, you benefit yourself by getting possibly a better drug, and you benefit the you know society and then uh, in the knowledge advancement and also even if the trial is not better the trial drug is not better you get better care right so it's a win-win yeah it's a win-win exactly. and, and so we were talking earlier about um the conception that the one size fit all treatment so uh, you know over the last um, 40 years breast cancer treatment has greatly improved due to lessons learned through clinical trials and so what would you say about the approach or, or um, people of different nationalities participating in clinical trials so that drugs can be tailored um, to their genetic makeup 
uh, versus the concept of one size fit all approach to care. You bring up a good point. Uh, indeed, uh, you know, technology has advanced so fast and so far that we are learning better knowledge about the cancer biology. And we know cancer is driven by gene and, uh, you know, gene mutation and uh, alteration leads to, you know, aggressive uh, cancer phenotype. And so by doing all this molecular testing, we are now realizing different breast cancer behave differently. And also indeed, perhaps in different uh, races, you know, for example, for, you know, uh, Mississippi, you have a high proportion of African-American patient who is known to have more aggressive uh, breast cancer and uh, worse survival uh, and overall, uh, perhaps due to, you know, some uh, unique uh, cancer biology. You know, we, we know that we see more triple negative breast cancer uh, with African-American population. We see, we see more locally advanced disease, perhaps due to, you know, uh, I guess, poorer access to uh, care. And uh, so um, by tailoring each therapy against the individual patient, we can offer them uh, a better precision medicine. Uh, so that, as you mentioned before, uh, no patient will get the same drug, you know, um, and because uh, uh, right now you can analyze the breast cancer and uh, not only you can do the traditional marker ERPR and the HER2, those are the, you know, uh, estrogen receptor genes mm -hmm. and uh, cancer genes, but now you can do uh, some additional tests. Because we there's many other gene mutation that's being associated leading to resistance to therapy, and, uh, and thus, as a result, we can tailor the gene mutation profile uh, to their individual therapy. Even for adjuvant uh, therapy, we have this uh, uh, gene profile uh, test called the Uncotype DX. By looking at your breast cancer and uh, against uh, the Uncotype DX uh, re recurrence score, we can tell the patient which one would need uh, adjuvant chemotherapy, which one would benefit hormonal therapy. So we can offer specific therapy to patients who need it by sparing the toxic chemotherapy in those patients who not who don't need it based on those molecular gene profile. How far we've come in medicine that we can do that? Well, uh, that only in the, you know, within the last uh, 20 years, you know, 30 years, we see huge advance in oncology uh, therapy and uh, diagnosis. Uh, you know, when I was uh, in the lab uh, doing PhD sequencing genes uh, only, you know, 20, 30 years ago, many things we talked about or worked in the lab, we thought we will never see them in clinical practice in our lifetime. We were dead wrong. You know, not only... <laughs> yeah. What, what we learned and uh, what did in the lab is now many of them are in clinical practice. We are actually opened up a new door into new horizon in terms of cancer research and treatment. Look at how immunology uh, in cancer or immunotherapy in cancer treatment has advanced. We, uh, well, we are, while we are in the lab, you know, uh, uh, at that time, the uh, nephocyte, uh, uh, you know, uh, activated killer cells, uh, immunotherapy was hot. But then 
uh, you know, uh, for a short while, it went into quiescence because uh, at that time, people are only working on the way to stimulate immune response without realizing and there's another system in place to put a brake on the accelerator uh, for the car to work, if I can make the analogy. Now, in the last few years, we discovered there's another system that can work on the immune system uh, that is basically what we call a checkpoint inhibitor, which is a brake system. Nobody knew that before. Now we know you have not only stimulated cancer to uh, launch your immune attack, you have to basically release the brake system by giving patient checkpoint inhibitors. So that is why I see huge advance in cancer therapy, uh, in immunotherapy. You know, many new drugs are now approved, uh, you know, not only for uh, melanoma, non-cancer, it is now being tested and uh, in breast cancer, you know, and uh, a few uh, new immunotherapy drugs are being developed in triple negative disease. And we are now looking at its activity in other settings, such as uh, receptor positive tumor or even HER2 positive tumors. So, so again, you know, the technology has advanced so much and so quickly, it opened up new doors to, you know, better diagnosis and better treatment options. And a lot of it wouldn't be possible without clinical trials. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because uh, whatever we always say, humans are no mice. Whatever that works in animal model has to be tested in human setting to make sure it works in human. And the only way to do that is through clinical trials. And Dr. Tang, um, we've heard the stigma uh, for many, many years that um, we that there is a cure for cancer, um, and we know we've made great strides um, in order to address, um, and much research has been done. But for those listeners and, and the people that are out there that are skeptic about, um, is there a cure for cancer that we're not telling? the public about and as a researcher um, that has devoted your entire life um, to research and finding cures uh, what would you say to those listeners I would say you know yes definitely uh, cancer I always tell my audience you know cancer is not a one disease it's that infection is caused by bacteria virus parasite for each infection you have a treatment specific treatment Cancer is the same, and some cancer we do have a cure, like uh, you know childhood uh, leukemia lymphoma, rhabdomyosarcoma, uh, or, or Wilms tumor, or even for adult you know endometrial cancer, cervical cancer, or early stage even breast cancer, it's curable, and uh, uh, so 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 many cancers are now curable, but uh, you know for metastatic disease uh, even. For breast cancer metastatic disease, even even if it is not curable, like I said earlier, we are now finding better way to control it, and eventually I would say we will have a cure even for metastatic disease. We are not there yet, but we're, but we are working towards that goal. We're going to take a short break and tell our listening audience um, how they can support Susan G. Coleman, Memphis, Mid South Mississippi, and we'll be right back. 
the Memphis Mid-South Mississippi affiliate of Susan G. Coleman provides needed breast cancer services to women throughout West Tennessee and Mississippi. Your donation can help save the life of women who do not have access to breast health care. Please take a moment and donate by visiting our website at www.colemanmemphismss.org. That's www.k-o-m-e-n-m-e-m-p-h-i-s-m-s.org. Thank you for your support. So welcome back to the Pink Podcast uh, for Susan G. Coleman. And with us, we have Dr. Shu-Ching Tang, professor at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, Cancer Institute. So Dr. Tang, um, tell us a little bit about the Cancer Institute phase one program um, that you are designing at the Cancer Institute. Thank you. Um, since I came, we have developed several phase one program to be uh, started right here at uh, our center in Mississippi. And uh, this include some novel trials of immunotherapy. One drug involved is called Immunina. It is developed actually in Oxford from the natural product that has ability to modulate immune function. We are combining that with the traditional so-called checkpoint inhibitors I mentioned earlier uh, called pembrolizumab. In any patient whose solid tumor become refractory to traditional treatment, then they'll be able to enroll in this phase one trial to test a Mississippi-grown immunomodulating agent in cancers that have failed prior therapy. Of course, we have also developed several other phase one trial in collaboration with uh, pharmaceutical companies to test some additional novel therapy in immunotherapy of the solid tumor, such as uh, it's called TIM3 inhibitors. Again, it's uh, designed to boost immune system in solid tumor. And together with uh, uh, another tumor vaccine for breast cancer, that is developed in Canada. We are doing phase one study here to test this tumor cell vaccine against breast cancer. These are all phase one trial that is to be launched in Mississippi shortly. So any listeners whose cancer has progressed beyond you know, any traditional therapy, then I would love to see them uh, in Mississippi at our Cancer Institute you can easily look up our website by just uh, logging onto University of Mississippi Medical Center Cancer Institute. There's a specific item under clinical trial. And uh, through, through there, you can reach us. Of course, you are welcome to call our referral center to uh, get in contact with my nurse to participate in our phase one trial. In addition, I have opened some additional trial for breast cancer, since I'm a breast cancer specialist as well, and uh, involving some novel agent in metastatic breast cancer and in early breast cancer. Again, all these are to be listed in the website, which you can access. 
Wonderful. So um, for our listeners, we will have that information readily available on our website at www.colemanmemphismsorg. Um, so last question for you. Um, for people that are contemplating or unsure about participating in clinical trials and the stigma that is it carries, what would you say to them? And what are what are their benefits uh, for participating? Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, by participating in clinical trial, the patient will get a better option in terms of uh, therapy with the potential of uh, you know a more efficacious drug or less toxic. So it will benefit themselves. In addition, of course, it will benefit the society, benefit other patients, benefit future generation, and also by participating in clinical trial, patients will get a better care in terms of a closer monitoring and, and uh, you know, uh, and TLC uh, from the nursing staff. TLC. So, so that is their benefit. And uh, it's, you, you won't be a so-called guinea pig because you are getting either standard therapy or standard therapy plus an experimental drug. So I would say, you know, um, clinical trial is uh, a tool we use to advance the oncology treatment and our knowledge and uh, um, you know by to be part of it uh, is uh, you know is a very um, altruistic uh, way to look at how to you know um, treat cancer and uh, it will benefit not only the patient himself but also the generation to come and would you tell our listeners one last time, where can they find a list of clinical trials and eligibility requirements? Yes, um, um, each uh, trial has, you know, uh, what we call inclusion, exclusion criteria. So you have to meet a certain criteria. And, uh, and normally, you know, any patient uh, with a, a normal organ function and uh, you know, able to, you know, work around uh, during the time is able to participate in most clinical trials, even those who have less, you know, uh, uh, daily activity uh, ability are able to participate in some trial that are tailored to look at, you know, this patient population. So I would say most patients are potentially eligible. And the best way is look at us up and uh, ask your uh, doctor if there's a better option than standard of care in terms of participation in clinical trial. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us for the Susan G. Coleman Memphis Mid-South Pink Podcast. For more information to donate or support this podcast, please visit our website at www.colemanmemphismms.org. That's www.k-o-m-e-n-m-e-m-p-h-i-s-m-s dot o-r-g this pink podcast is sponsored by the dl dykes foundation producers of faith and reason thank you for joining us dr tang and molly yes thank you so much for being here with us, dr tang we really appreciate your insight my pleasure Thank you for joining the Susan G. Coleman Memphis Mid-South Mississippi Pink Podcast. For additional information to donate or support this podcast, visit our website at www.komen.com. 
M-E-N-P-H-I-S-M-S.org. This podcast is proudly sponsored by the D.L. Dykes Foundation, producers of Faith and Reason. 